much more than this I did it there's a program at Fordham University that helps aspiring entrepreneurs develop their business ideas, but with a twist. Financial success isn't the main goal. The ventures must also address some of the world's most pressing problems. Good morning, I'm Robin Shannon, and this is Fordham Conversations. On this week's show, I talk with some Fordham students about their socially conscious business ideas. Makeda Masterson is creator and owner of a charitable sock company. And Michelle Berardino created an EpiPen alternative that fits in your wallet. They were all selected to be part of the Social Impact 360 Fellowship at Fordham. It's part of the largest mentorship-based social entrepreneurship training program on college campuses in the United States. Good morning. So I want to start off, um, who wants to start off and tell me how did the idea come up for your business? Okay, I'll take it away. Michelle? So, yes. Hi, I'm Michelle. And basically what started out for me was I was in the program uh, Social Impact 360. And as part of the program, um, towards the end of the year, what we have to do is we apply for Kenneth Cole um, grant. And you need to have some sort of socially conscious business idea. So I got to the drawing board and I knew immediately that I wanted my venture idea to have something with the food service. So you didn't have the idea before you came into it with, right. with planning for an idea. Exactly. Okay. So I was planning some sort of idea. And ultimately, um, I really, I, the best type of idea, at least for me, is looking at yourself and seeing what problems you have. Um, so for me, I catered my business to something that I've been suffering with since the age of three, which is my peanut allergy. Okay. And it's something that's really been a challenge in my life because what, I don't know if many people know, but, uh, most anaphylactic allergy sufferers need to carry an EpiPen with them wherever they go, and it's really bulky and it's obtrusive. Uh, so I worked to try and solve this pro problem within the confines of the grant and what exactly that entailed. Well, let me just ask first, how bad does your allergies get? Like, it, it, can you touch a peanut or, or is it only if you eat a peanut? It's really, it's only if I ingest a peanut. It's if someone's eating peanut butter next to me, uh, I don't really... You don't I'm want to take that chance. The, no, no, no. <laughs> I am not fond of the smell at all. Um, so it triggers something, I guess, either in my brain or my mind. Just stay away from it. Um, but and what happens? Does your throat close up or what yeah, happens when you have an attack? It's full anaphylactic shock. Um, my throat completely closes up. Um, I won't be able to breathe at all. So then I need to be sent to the hospital. But before then, um, the best, the next best thing is you're supposed to stab an EpiPen into your thigh um, and it revives you somehow. It gives you just a dose of epinephrine um, to slow the process of the anaphylactic shock. Okay, so you knew this was important, so how did you come up with your idea? Right, so I combined two things that I love, solving problems and then my passion for fashion. So what I did was I knew, as I said before, um, what the canister or container that you need to carry the EpiPen with is really ugly, just in <laughs> layman's terms. <laughs> um, what did it look like? It looks as if it's a pencil pack. It has some sort of canvas material. There's a zipper, um, but it's in a basic color. I have mine in black. And it's, uh, it, like I said before, it looks like a pencil pack. So I wanted to change the design of the EpiPen to make people want to carry it. Because one of the other problems, not only is it if I ingest a peanut, but it's the fact that a lot of times, even to today's interview, 
I didn't bring my EpiPen with me. So I'm risking that chance of potentially, if I'm eating something that I don't know what the ingredient is, that I'm going to go into maybe some sort of anaphylactic shock. Michelle, why didn't you bring your pen with you? Because, <laughs> let me tell you, it's a problem. It doesn't fit into my bag. So that's exactly where my solution um, addresses that. So what I've created is the Wallop, and it is a wallet that has a container on the inside, a little pouch on the inside to hold your EpiPen. So people, especially girls my age, want to carry it. And it's not something that's an obstacle or an impediment. Because, because I would think you'd want something that matches maybe Maybe if you're going out for the evening, you want to have a nice bag with you or something like that. So it was that sort of your thinking behind it also? A hundred percent. Because, you know, you go out with your friends and you're carrying a small purse or maybe not even you're carrying a purse. And there's just no room for this EpiPen. So something needed to be done to solve this problem. And it's real. It's not being solved because the uh, other competitors in my field, they're just designing EpiPen packs for children. And so there's not really an avenue um, for young adults, young adults, yeah, and teenagers. And McKenna? Hi. So actually, I started my company, Snox, before I got involved with Social Impact 360. And so my parents are both entrepreneurs. And back when I was actually 14, I went to the hospital because I developed a blood clot in my arm. And that kind of spurred on this realization of, I could be doing something a little bit more, and my parents were entrepreneurs, so I kind of wanted to give back. So when I was 16, I started Snocks, which are colorful socks with non-slip, grippy bottoms. And through that, I donate all the profits to charities, which I also donated back to the hospital that I was at when I had my blood clot. Now, your blood clot, what, what happened with that? Honestly, we have no idea why I developed a blood clot. There's no history in my family or anything like that. It just happened. It was kind of like an anomaly. Well, what specifically happened? Well, I so I developed like a four to five inch blood clot in my left arm. So I was in the hospital for about five days. And after that, I had to take blood thinners for about six months afterwards. Okay, so you end up in the hospital mm -hmm. and you're walking around in their hospital mm -hmm. socks, which are not the most comfortable. Exactly. <laughs> So they give you hospital socks, but I mean, they're about knee highs, they're ugly, they come in not some great colors, and that's kind of... Kind of scratchy. Exactly. <laughs> that's where the inspiration for socks came from. You know, mine are cotton, they're comfy, they, you can wear them yoga, Pilates, or just around the house, I always say. And so that's kind of where the inspiration came from. Originally, I had a bunch of different ideas that I wanted to start, but it all came back to, you know, my experience in the hospital and how I went through that and then eventually I was just like I'm much I'm much luckier than I think other kids are just because I saw a lot of other kids I was on the cancer floor and so I realized how much luckier I was and I wanted to do something with that and so that's why I started snot. Now you were on the cancer floor but you don't have cancer and exactly. didn't have cancer. So they I was in the hematology floor so there's a lot of blood cancers around me um, and that was just because I had the blood clot and they didn't really know what the problem was at the time so they just put me on that floor and so I, you know, saw and talked with a lot of the other kids. And honestly, I was the only kid on that floor with, like, hair or, you know, not. Right. I was the only kid who was there for only a few days rather than a few months. Right. And so even just talking to other children's parents was really impactful, especially at 14, because I was like, whoa. You know, I thought, you know, life was pretty average for me at that point. And then seeing that, I was like, okay, actually, I need to do something. Like, I don't want to have to wait till I'm 25 and I have an actual job. I've graduated. Like, I want to do something now. 
And my parents are amazing people, and they really inspired me to do something with that. And so that's where we are today. I traveled each and every highway. This is Fordham Conversations on 90.7 WFUV. I'm Robin Shannon, talking with McKenna Masterson and Michelle Bernardino. These two Fordham students were selected to create socially conscious businesses as part of Fordham University's Social Impact 360 Fellowship. I've had a few, but then again... Tell me about the um, Social Impact 360. What exactly is that and what made you want to be a part of it? Well, for myself, so a lot of the kids who come into the Social Impact 360 um, fellowship don't actually have a business. But for myself, it was kind of this, um, it's a great group for mentorship or they teach you a lot of hard skills, like how to start your own business. And it's great to be part of a community where everyone's passionate about other social issues. And so for myself, even though I had my own business, I went into it as kind of a community where I can learn a lot more, have a support system, and really grow SNOX itself. Yeah, and for me, I'm just such a proponent. I love creative ideas and creative thinking and thinking outside the box um, without some sort of regimented formula. And that's really what Social Impact 360 provided me with because there was no other club on campus that allowed you to foster these ideas. It's combining business, but you don't necessarily need a business background um, to think of an idea to solve some sort of social issue or social program problem. Is it a club or is it something you had to apply for? For It's considered a club, but it's a fellowship mm-hmm. and you have to apply for the fellowship. So there was this whole process. So in the beginning of the year, you have Social Impact 360 um, fellows canvassing the area, looking for people to sign up. So you sign up for it um, and there's this whole process. So you apply online and then if selected for interviews, you come back and then 15 freshmen are chosen. Because they want you to be socially conscious business creators, I guess. Right. Yeah. So how long did it take um, either you, Michelle or uh, McKenna? How long did it take for you to build your idea, like from start to finish? Um, for myself, hi, McKenna again. Um, I probably started it this summer. I think for myself to get Snocks fully up and running, maybe took six months to a year because I was, you know, I was a high school student. I was on I was a three season athlete. I did a few theater plays. So I was a little bit busy. Um, but with the help, my parents were hugely helpful, obviously, and they kind of directed me where I should go and we narrowed down ideas. I mean, at first I was thinking dog collars or t-shirts or something. And then eventually I realized that socks are a product that everyone uses. I mean, they're so simple, so easy. It's not really rocket science, but then making them colorful and non-slip. So they're great for yoga and Pilates kind of gives a little bit more of a niche factor. And so, um, yeah, it probably took... From the full idea of, like, this is what I want to do, probably about a year, and then I fully launched by November of my junior year in high school. And for me, the wallop is still a work in progress. So it started in January with me settling down with this idea and saying, okay, I'm going to develop a wallet. But it's easier said than done Mm -hmm. because there's this whole manufacturing process right now. I'm in the stage where I've been prototyping a wallet and I need to hire someone uh, for the designs because right now I'm not equipped to, uh, I guess, the terminology for it is create a tech pack um, where then I send that to manufacturers to develop the sampling prototypes. Um, So that's the stage that I'm in right now. 
So you said that you had the idea for snocks. Yes. Um, how do you make a profit? Well, so actually what I do is I donate all my profits to charities. So obviously some money comes back in and the cost of the stocks are covered because I take that money back in to buy more products in order to sell more, to donate more. And so I haven't taken really a salary from this, which is funny. And I think a lot of my other Gabelli uh, business school students look at me and they they question what I'm doing. Like, but Why aren't you making millions? <laughs> exactly. Like, that's what your goal is supposed to be. Because when you think about business, sometimes you think, I want to open a business, at least my generation. I want to open a business because I want to make money for me, my family or something. But this is a, a lot deeper. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, because obviously, like, I have school loans and stuff like that. So I work summers in order to pay off those. But Snox isn't giving me anything in that direction. But it gives me something much different or much more, I guess, in the fact that I see where the money goes and I see what charities are doing with it. And I think that's a bigger impact than just paying off my school loans. So what did you have to do? What was your process? Did you actually have to do what Michelle did and come up with a, a prototype of what the sock would look like? Or what did you have to do? Um, it was a similar process. I think mine's less complex than Michelle's just because it's not a wallet, it's a sock. So what I did is I found manufacturers that producing that were producing similar socks, and then I used that and I based it off their models, and then I sent in Pantone colors. We kind of went back and forth for a little bit, sending samples back and forth to each other, and I uh, edited sending, them. Who's the, each other? Who are you oh, sending? Oh, sorry, the manufacturers. Okay. So, um, so you're working with a manufacturer. Yes. So the manufacturers would send me samples. I would send critiques back and forth and we'd work with each other to create a product that um, worked for myself and then eventually what I actually do is I sell through amazon.com so I ship all my product to their warehouses and then they ship it all out for me which obviously helps my life so much because I can't be shipping product out of my dorm room right now not enough room. Exactly. <laughs> so let's back up a little bit. So how did you even get the manufacturers? Like, so you decided, okay, I want to have a charity where I offer socks to hospitals. Um, how did you get the manufacturer involved? How would, how did the business side of it come about? So thankfully, my parents are entrepreneurs. So they've been working with manufacturers for bags or wallets, or um, they did computer cases, belts, all in China. So they had some connections there. But basically what I used is a website called Alibaba.com, which is basically, um, I think, the closest thing you could say was uh, Amazon for manufacturers in China. And so through that and contacting different manufacturers, I honestly just eventually found one that worked with me and worked for me. <clears throat> and then, um, as I said, like sent samples back and forth to each other and eventually settled on a product and the final design shipped all my product to Amazon warehouses, and they ship it out for me. Uh, Michelle McKenna, do you have a mission statement for your business? Did you have to come up with one of those? Yeah, well, so for my mission statement, it's for everyone to fit in. And I think, it, you know, it's nice, it's sweet and short, and it's to the point. Um, and it's important, I think, uh, for college-age students to want to feel like they're, especially ones that might have some kind of um, illness or sickness that they're like everybody else. They can go out and have a good time with everybody else and not have to, like you say, carry around this huge, ugly pack with your, you know, that could 
save your life. Exactly. You know, it's really hard for the allergy community because I, I don't think a lot of people realize how much of a struggle we have um, just in terms of always having to be aware what ingredients there are um, when you go out to restaurants or even, you know, on college campuses as well. A lot of people, too, don't even know what an EpiPen looks like. So if you're trying to smuggle it in your bag and, you know, a friend rummages through and says, what exactly is this? It's really it's annoying time and time again to just explain your story and say, all right, well, it's an EpiPen and it's an injection. And, you know, if I ingest some sort of peanut, tree nut or, you know, any other type of allergen, you know, you just go through that speech and that spiel time and time again. So I think just going back, it's important for everyone to fit in. On um, on average, about how many hours did you have to work on coming up with with your business idea and then follow through? Oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> I'll take that to mean a lot. <laughs> there were a lot of hours that went into it. Um, I think that there was more of a pressure to get this business up and running because of the Kenneth Cole grant. At least for me, I needed to answer all of these questions by a certain deadline. I had to answer all these questions that Kenneth Cole presented, which was, what is your mission statement? What's your target audience? How much money do you think you're going to be making out of this? Um, what type of support do you need from Kenneth Cole? So all these big questions for something, my product, it was all in my head, but it wasn't a tangible product. So I think I had to spend hours on end crafting my answers for the business proposal, but also thinking, all right, in real life, I want this to come into fruition. So what do I have to do in order to make that happen. McKenna? Yeah, it's so funny. Going off what Michelle just said, I think even though I had a physical product and I had been running Snocks for a couple years at that point, answering the Kenneth Cole questions actually really gave me a direction of realizing like, oh wait, I do have to think about these things because honestly I had almost been flying by the seat of my pants, I guess you'd say, because I just had been doing it in my, my spare time. And finally I had like a questions I had to answer, like real people I had to talk to, and a formal business proposal that I had to put together in order to apply for and receive the grant. How much was the grant? $2,500. And did were there any stipulations of what you had to do with that grant? No. I think it just had to go towards our businesses, and we had to put together a goal of what we wanted in the next few years, and so the idea was that our the money would go towards those goals. So what um, type of goals were they? So, well, at least for me, there were different, there were short-term and there were long-term goals. So some of my short-term goals was to fix my website. So uh, whether that meant um, subscribe to some kind of, I'm already subscribed to Weebly, but a more premium membership so that you can get certain other amenities on your website or hiring an actual designer to code my website for me. And then more so, I know we were talking about this beforehand, but the long-term goals of getting my prototype manufactured for samples, I need to hire someone to create the tech pack for that. So hopefully that's what the $2,500 will go to. But as of now, I haven't touched anything because I really want to be very careful um, with how I go about my next steps. That's pretty smart. <laughs> uh, so what sacrifices have you had to make you know, to be successful? That's a really tough question. <laughs> um, sleep, maybe? Oh, definitely sleep. <laughs> That's a big um, one. <laughs> yeah, I seem to be not getting enough sleep. And I guess in some ways social activities, like I have to cut back a little bit on those. But for some reason we always seem to make it work. And I think, as we said, all the different clubs and activities we're involved in fulfill different parts of my life. Like my sailing team is my family and I 
as much as that takes up a large percentage of my time, it's also like my biggest source of happiness, I would almost say. While like Social Impact 360 like fulfills the more charitable side of myself, you know, obviously I have my academics that I have to do in order to get an education. So while we have to cut back on certain things, they all kind of work together to help us. Right. And I think a big part of it, too, especially uh, with regards to Social Impact 360, is that I know McKenna touched on it a little before, but we're mentors now. So we have that sort of community already that we know it's not an individual thing. So we're our businesses, we're running them ourselves. Social Impact 360, it's a community. We come together, we meet and we say, all right, so what's the agenda on this meeting? And it's all the same type of it's the creative minds, you know, the thinkers who you want more for yourselves, but and you want more for your fellows as well. So I think that too really helps um, time management and just in general. What was the hardest part about building a business? I think the hardest part was honestly just starting. Mm -hmm. And you know, as I said, I started when I was a little bit younger. But even now, when I think like, okay, what is the next step? Just taking that step forward is the hardest part for me because you have to invest time and money into something that you don't know if it's going to be successful. Yeah. And it's a sacrifice for me too, because it's something that I know, at least with the wallop, I really want to see this come into fruition. I really want to be able to say I'm a small business owner. Um, and it's hard because I know that I'm going to have to sacrifice a lot of time and a lot of money as well. It's something that it's not as simple of an idea um, that I can just parcel out some funds to the side. You know, it's a it's a wallet. It's a leather wallet. So uh, the cost for that is going to be through the roof. And it's something that I just I really want to do. So hopefully I will have success with it. Um, but I think that ultimately that's the biggest. It, it's a risk. It's a risk you have to be willing to take. And speaking of risks, what were you most afraid of in this whole process of, of starting a business? Oh, failure, for sure. Yeah? Hands down. What would failure mean for you? Failure would mean someone telling me that my company, my ideas, my values are just not good enough, that they couldn't see that in the real world. And it's... And I know I think McKenna would agree. Your venture is your baby. It's your idea. It's something that other people don't have to agree with, but you understand. And especially for me, it's something that's so near and dear to my heart because I've had to suffer with a peanut allergy for so many years that a lot of people may not understand. But I know that this is a problem that I need to address. Um, so I would say uh, people don't like failure. People don't like rejection in general, but especially especially when you have this idea and not that I'm so far along with it, but it's been a couple months that I've, you know, had this idea. Um, at any point, failure is always an issue. McKenna, how about you? No, definitely. As Michelle said, I think this is your baby. And it sounds so funny to say that, but as like people who share in the same comment, you know, being in Social Impact 360, you really see that it is your baby. And even I have a few other ideas for a business proposal business ideas that I want to do in the future and having friends say, oh, no, that's not going to work is so crushing. And so I think that would be the biggest aspect of failure I'd seen myself. And on top of that, when I started Snox, I took out a small loan from my parents. So just having that money over my head of kind of like this has to work out is a really big pressure, but then makes it all work in the end. 
And speaking of investors, you had your parents to invest. Uh, Michelle, are you planning to get investors? Oh, yes, yes. Definitely from friends and family first. <laughs> um, but, you know, in the long term, one of my long term goals is potentially starting a Kickstarter campaign. Have you planned for a customer base? Like, how do you plan on, you know, bringing people in? Yes. So, well, I started out researching. Um, I think that's the first step that you have to do. You really need to create your customer avatar. Who are you trying to target? What's your target audience? Um, and for me, it was girls, teenagers. So I went back to my high school and I asked um, some of the students who some of them did have allergies, what exactly they were looking for and what exactly they needed. Um in a product that I was developing. So I think reaching out to that community has been really helpful, um, at least with me. And then hopefully, too, with that, along with that Kickstarter, that community will uh, be very receptive to my product. McKenna, how, how do you get people to buy your snacks? <laughs> Mine's a lot of word of mouth, for sure. I mean, my customer base is pretty broad because of the fact that they're snacks and they come in, I mean, they come in more feminine colors, come in more masculine colors. So it's a pretty broad customer base. So honestly, how I sell everything is just word of mouth, social media, and it's pretty basic. Um, I know, uh, Michelle, you're still working on, your your plan is still a work in progress, but um, McKenna has your uh, business saw any how much if you don't mind me asking how much did your company bring in like last year well over the years I've donated close to nine thousand um, dollars which is not as much as I wish I could say but at the same time obviously I have to reinvest to buy more product I laugh because actually in the beginning I donated too much too quickly so for the next Christmas season I had almost nothing in stock which meant you know obviously no one could buy anything and I couldn't donate that much the next year after that. So with the grant, I was able to buy more product for this Christmas season. And so hopefully after the, this Christmas season, I'll have more money to be able to donate more. How does that whole process work? Mm -hmm. So it's a pretty long process in the fact that I have to buy the socks overseas, actually, is where I have them manufactured, ship them over here, they go in Amazon warehouses, and then people buy them off Amazon. But obviously, you know, my sales fluctuate with the seasons. You know, no one's really buying socks in the summer. So I really wait for the Christmas season and hope and it's a great gift product for people because it's they're $9.99 as pair of socks and people love the story behind it. That's our biggest selling point is people love the idea of a teenager starting a charitable organization and donating all the profits. How much will you need to sustain your company maybe per year? Uh, well, I'm sustained fully off the sales of my socks, so that works out really well. And then any profit off the top of that is what I donate. Michelle, have you figured out how long it will take for your company to be sustained for a year or a couple of years? Well, right now, it's re it really depends. So I guess the answer to that is to be determined um, because it it's really contingent upon my relationship with my manufacturer and how much they're willing to give me because I have four different models for my wallet. Um, and basically in the most ideal world, I would want to produce maybe 50 samples of each model. So 50 times four, um, like 200. Um, so it depends what deal they give me. And then that's how I will know. So... Not as sustained as McKenna's, but well, getting there. Work in progress. It's a I'm work in progress. Yeah, <laughs> um, how do you define success? 
for myself, I would say success is just really being happy with where you are. Because obviously different people are going to have different levels of, you know, going back to what I said earlier, a lot of Gabelli students and my peers look at me and they're like, you're donating all the profits. And there's a lot of like, question marks on their faces, I think. But at the same time, like, this is what I'm happy doing. And for myself, this is what success would be. Do you sort of understand that, though? You, you sort of understand oh, totally. why they're looking at you like, wait a minute, aren't you in it to make any money? Oh, completely. And I think that's like obviously the the society we're surrounded by. Uh, but there's also, I still have to say, there's so many people who look at me and they're like, oh, like, I hadn't thought about that, but that's a great idea. And hopefully that'll lead, because in the same way, it's it's a win-win-win situation where if people buy my products, I still get a gross knox, but at the same time, money's still being donated to charities. So it's still supporting, I guess, the consumer market, but it's doing it in a different way where I'm not doing it solely for profits. There's another underlining part of it. For sure. So I would venture to say 100%. Success is not defined by making money. And the most rewarding feeling for me is when I explain my business idea to someone else. And let's say that they are an allergy sufferer. They have a family member who has a type of allergy. Them saying, you know what? That idea could really help. And to me, I just feel I, I feel so elated when someone uh, agrees with me and shares, you know, the same experience rather than if someone were to say to me, oh, Michelle, you're going to make a lot of money from that. Good job. It's it's not worth the same. So I would 100 percent agree with McKenna and say that it, it's really about ha your own happiness with your company. Shower and the blood starts pumping Out on the streets the traffic starts jumping With folks like me on the job from 9 to 5 Working I'd like to thank my guests, McKenna Masterson and Michelle Bernardino with Social Impact 360. Information on their businesses can be found at the Fordham Conversations website. That's at WFUV backslash Fordham Conversations. I'd also like to thank my producer, Patrick Russomano. You can like Fordham Conversations on Facebook, you can follow us on Twitter, and catch up on shows you've missed with our weekly podcast. For WFUV's Fordham Conversations, I'm Robin Shannon. Fordham.